Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick, and today we have a non-Cairo on the group, um, on the group, on the, on, on the podcast episode. What episode is this? By God, get your shit together, Lauren. Um, welcome. Welcome, all. And today we have Hillary Hendershot. Um, I'm ex- this was a fun uh, conversation. I think that you guys will all agree that there are some conversations where you can tell I automatically click and become besties with the person. Um, I, she doesn't know this, but I think we're best friends now. Um, so Hillary has an MBA and a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. If you don't know, uh, she's a mother and financial powerhouse and everyday superhero. She's got 21 years of experience helping women preserve and grow their wealth while eliminating financial stress. And she was really, she's entertaining. She's also not boring. She was she made this subject really good. So we talked a lot. We talk a lot today about your relationship with money. Um, You know, when she originally reached out to be on the podcast, I was like, here's the deal. Here's what you got to know before I'll let you on my podcast. I you guys side note. Do you know how many people I turn down to be on this thing? I get random people emailing me probably three, four times a week and I filter them out for you. You are welcome. I, it's because I love you. Um, but no, I saw, you know, so she came through and I'm like, okay, so here's the deal. Here's what, if you want to come and talk about relationship with money, here's what I want you to talk about. Chiropractors come out of school very, very in debt. Okay. Let's say $250,000 um, is not an unusual amount of money for a chiropractor to be in debt. It's also not unusual for them to make Forty to sixty thousand dollars their first year in practice, like it it can be a very mental struggle. Um, you can absolutely make more than that. You can come out of school less than that. Um, but then you add in there that chiropractic is this service, right? That you know while we're in school, we're like learning on our boyfriends, roommates, and our cousins, and like just wanting to get our hands on as many people as possible at the Christmas family dinner. And then you graduate, and all of these people kind of want care for free still and you're like oh I mean it doesn't hurt anything by me continuing it doesn't or I shouldn't say it doesn't cost me anything more than it did a month ago before I had my license except yes now it does because I have overhead and things to pay and uh, the student loan people want their money back so you know we had a really great conversation about that about um, how people can have a bad relationship with money um why because I like money I want more of it that sounds like a good relationship if you ask me she totally calls me out and (laughs) she saw me let's just say that um and there's a funny point where you know she just says like yeah that sounds like you're doing that from a place of power and I'm like you don't know me Anyways, um, so I think it's a really helpful helpful one, whether you're a chiropractor or not, whether you're a student or not, this she delivers amazing, helpful information on your relationship with money. But before we jump in, 
we are going to do our listener highlight. Um, and we've had a couple come through in the last month. Y'all are so... Did you hear that, y'all? Okay, so... I randomly will y'all all over everyone. Like, like, have you heard me say this? I will definitely do it in writing. It's easier even to do in writing. It feels very natural. I don't know why Texas gets to claim y'all. Um, I have very much a Midwestern accent um, where I say down, down. Is that something that people, is that a Midwestern thing? I don't, about, about. That's how you say it, right? Doesn't, I don't, I get made fun of for it. Um, but I also throw a y'all in there and it's authentic and came out of my brain. So anyways, y'all have been awesome on writing reviews lately. And I really appreciate that because it gives me something to do in this moment. Um, so this one is from Peak Girl and it's five stars. And it says, you've got to listen to this. Dr. Lauren has such an authentic, honest voice that every female chiropractor needs. If you're feeling alone or confused about next steps, she's your gal. Get ready to binge listen and have your mind blown. Best listen I've had in a long time. Just what I needed after 11 years in practice and getting things and letting things getting boring and mundane. Thanks so much for all the tips and love, doc. Just what I needed. Pete girl, I love you. Not because you wrote a review, although you do get extra love before above everyone else. Um, because I because I love you. And I'm 11 years in practice. And I know that um, some people who are not addicted to change like I am. Oh, my gosh, you get you guys don't even know what it's like to work for me. OK, I have I have problems. Um I have been known to rearrange uh, our like adjusting area because I didn't I had a new patient cancel and I had a 30 minute blank spot in my day where I was planning on working and now I can't work because that person canceled. And now what do I do? So I rearrange. But anyway, so yes, um, you're welcome. And don't get boring. Oh, my gosh. Some of our greatest growth um, over the last 11 years where we made like big jumps is where we made some big, hairy, scary changes in practice. Um, and like, I mean, just at, when we added the scans, that was a game changer. When we went out of network with insurance, that was a game changer. When we started coaching, like there were so, when we moved into a new building, when we remodeled, like when we hired, there's so many things along the way that were like, whoa, this is crazy and <laughs> intense, um, but helped, helped grow. So yeah, you're welcome. I love you. Um, and I love all of you so much. I can't, I'm not going to spill the beans because I'm a terrible secret keeper, but I'm not going to say who, um, but I just got off a, um, a Zoom a Zoom, that's what they're called, um, with a company within chiropractic that I've used or loved for a long, long time, um, talking to them about like, because every time I talk about it, people have questions and like, just so saying like, all right, how can we get these people a discount? How can we work together? Because I love your product. And they wanted to know about the She Slays people. And they're like, you know, so are they mostly this? Are they mostly that? And I'm like, they are badasses like these women love having real conversations okay and some men sorry I know you're not all women um but they're here for it like they we get astronomical amounts of you to compared to all the other chiropractic podcasts like we there are tons of you that show up every week and listen to my ba babbling ass um babbling ass I mean, yeah, that's right. Um, can't get colloquialisms right. Um, but because I'm not afraid to go there because you allow that space. And so like not to get sappy, not to get all weird, but like, thank you for um, allowing space to have some of these conversations and allowing space for me not to be perfect and for me to um, show up and let you know what I know and what I don't know and share life lessons with you. I just think you're all, you're all really freaking great. So with that, we're going to pray and then we are going to have a fun conversation with Hillary. Dear God, thank you so much for people outside the chiropractic profession who can help guide us, not be a bunch of fumbling idiots. That's what I meant. Not babbling asses, fumbling idiots. Um, chiropreneur thing. 
it's difficult. I know you know it's difficult. Thank you um, for relationships amongst chiropractors that we can feel seen and we don't feel like we need to do this by ourselves. Thank you for professionals who are there to guide us and help us uh, build practices that are big and impactful and can go on to help so many people. Help us just in this moment. Everyone take a breath. Connect with your heart. Relax your jaw. You're here. You're listening, even if you're multitasking. Calm that brain. Be with me for this conversation, even if you don't, you know, going on a run or driving or loading the dishwasher. Let's all just connect with source and God and ourselves. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, crew. So this is Hillary Hendershot, badass uh, financial planner and powerhouse, and she's going to give so much information. I hope you enjoy. Well, welcome to the She Slays the Day podcast, Hillary. We're I'm very happy to have you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks. Yeah, like I said, you know, it's we're very specific about who we let on here. First of all, we're keeping with the trend. We have old never allowed a boy on. Um, so you <laughs> automatically make the cut. But also it's kind of rare that we let non-Kairos on. So, but it is almost always around money because we're all just like, teach me the things. <laughs> Well, I'm honored to be selected. Yes. You know, you and I were talking a little bit about chiropractic specific in kind of prepping for this. But one of the things that I never even told you is like chiropractors, one of the biggest issues and why a lot of times I have money people on is because we're kind of taught business in in school, but kind of not. Yeah. And then you're like really more focused on passing your boards to become, you know, infectious disease and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden you're expected to be an entrepreneur and you're like, Oh, how is QuickBooks? What, what is this thing? (laughs) What is this? What is this thing? (laughs) So it does happen to be most time when it's not a chiropractor on, it's somebody coming on to be like, how does business work? You know, and there's some people that seem to have the intuition of it, right? Or they're just naturally good at bringing people in and trading money for services. But then the others get like left behind because there's no small business MBA. No, no, no. And we definitely don't have it. Yeah. I had really good intuition in business to marry a finance and marketing person. So like that was where I'm always like, anytime that I talk to someone and it's two chiropractors hooked up and got married, I'm like, oh, that's where you went wrong. (laughs) Um, Okay. So let's get started. Let's start with kind of like who you are and why you're here talking about this today, you know, type of thing. Oh, cool. So I'm Hillary Hendershot. I do have an MBA and I'm a certified financial planner. So those are my educational qualifications. I run a wealth management firm for about 20 years. I've been running it and it is uh, almost entirely focused on women. So most of our clients are women. Uh, It's something that I'm really passionate about. I found that kind of my colleagues in the industry were all these frankly, old white men. And Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, well, Hillary, you know, you, when you go to the doctor, you only want to see a female doctor. So I bet there's people who want a female financial advisor. Right. So I had to like talk myself into it Mm -hmm. um, because I felt really marginalized by them, frankly, flat out ignored sometimes. Right. And so I said, I'm going to go into business by women for women. And I've done that. And I also run a coaching program for business owners where I teach them about their numbers, because I also have the personal experience of being a, frankly, of a professionally being a financial advisor, but ruining myself financially. So I was in massive debt. I lost a condo. I, I, I tanked my credit score the whole bit. And then I said to myself, there's gotta be a better way. And so, you know, make a long story short, I kind of pulled myself up by my bootstraps, turned all of that around, um, achieved financial independence. Like I'm, I actually have a multi seven figure net worth. And I just share that just to, to, to 
Yes. As evidence that I, I turned things around and I said to myself, I can teach this. Like I actually just figured out some things about money. And so we teach business owners how to understand their numbers, but also how to heal their relationship with money. And it's magical what happens when, when you combine those two things, like I kind of call it above the line and below the line, like the psychological, emotional piece and the actual technical numbers piece. Mm -hmm. Um, it just makes you a, I, I use the phrase money maven, but you know, it, it's, it's empowering. So that's what I love and that's what I do. And that's what my company does. That is incredible because like a little bit in school, you know, we're kind of forced as business owners, a lot of us to, to know what the numbers are. We don't yeah. really know a lot you know, around them, but nowhere is there a conversation around your mindset with money. Um, no. And I feel like, even though there's some books like with the Jen Cicero, how to be a badass. Oh, you're a badass with money. Like it, it still feels like we're not having a lot of conversation around mindset and money and specifically women and money. Like I kind of thought like, oh, okay, we're going to get this momentum. And it's like, no, we're back to talking about body, loving our fat body, even though it's not it's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So like, once we learn to start loving our body, are we going to start talking about retirement and like not depending? Right. Nope. Okay. We'll just see. We'll just see. So I like having conversations. Before it's we such get a started. rich topic. Like there's so much in there. Yeah. And I mean, we, you and I could probably go off on a complete tangent with wine involved um, about why as soon as women start to get a little empowered and know their finances and be, how did you describe it? Be independently, financially independent. In independent. I could see as a society why that's not wanted, but we, that's not the topic for today. <laughs> That. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like your financial success is directly in proportionate with your uh, attractiveness as a female. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. It's fine. We'll just keep, they'll just keep worrying about being the wrong pant size. It's cool. Um, okay. Before we get started, do you, have you heard of the Enneagram? Do you know your Enneagram? I do. I'm a seven. You're a seven? I that's love like what everyone's do you that's like but I don't know anything else I remember I remember finding out that I was a seven and then I hear people talk about it and I don't know a ton about it I know more about the Myers-Briggs than I do about that but so yeah okay I just you so sevens are like the life of the party but they're also tend to be like on to the next thing and not necessarily worrying about finishing up the thing that they had started they're big idea people um yep. I know week. that. And that's how I hired my team. So I yeah. have implementers on my team, yeah. like just catch the ideas as they come yes. out and make them real. Uh, last thing is very little desire for negative emotions. They're all about the positive emotions and not so much wanting to sit in the, in the negative one. So I love the negativity. <laughs> so I'm a number three that is right there with you with like, no, let's just, Let's just think of new ideas to distract us from worrying about things. So, okay. Just, I always ask it. Um, I try and ask it in the beginning with people because otherwise midway through the interview, I'm like, hold up. Do you know what your Enneagram is? Cause I'm just like analyzing them in the back of my head. So, all right. So See, I feel like I just, I opened the kimono. Like now, you know, things about me that I didn't I intend for you to know. I know. Sorry. That's why I'm obsessed with it because when I'm interviewing people and they're telling me like their story and their things, I'm like, just trying to like figure out and piece together like their motivations behind stuff. And yeah, it is. It is like, you're right. I just, I know you now we are friends now. Yeah. So no, no bound, no barriers. <laughs> Let's do this. Okay. So we're here to talk about relationship with finances. Yes. How does someone figure out if they have a good or bad relationship with money? Because my thought initially would be that pe most people would go, oh, I have a great relationship with money. I love money and I want money. And so they go like, I want more money. So therefore I must because I love it and, and uh, want it to have a good relationship. 
Uh, it's a good point. There's also a lot of people who are very conflicted about wanting more money, who won't allow themselves to even say out loud, I want more money, right? So that's out there too. So I would say um, if you experience that you have plenty of money, you're saving on some kind of schedule, your business is growing at a relative rate, like some maybe seven to 10% per year or something like that. You have, you know, no, little to no debt or it's being paid off. Like I understand most of your listeners have school debt. So I would say you're, you're paying it off on a regular schedule, like kind of the wheels are in motion. That would be, I would call that financial health. And that, that would be an indicator of a, a quote. I don't, I don't know that I would use the words good or bad. I, I often use the word uh, destructive to describe some of the like money relationships that are out there. Um, the thing is, is money occurs for you in some way. Like money tends to go for you a particular way. A, a very common one is there's never enough money. Like there's just not enough of it. And this would show up like there's not enough mentally or business. literally. Well, you have that thought and you think that you have the thought because that's how money is, but I'm going to assert something counterintuitive that money actually goes that way in your life because you have the thought. Mm. So you actually create money. Money doesn't have a nature. First of all, there's infinite amounts of wealth in the universe. Governments are not going to stop printing money anytime soon. All money is, is a store of value. Like, you know, you've heard phrases like money doesn't grow on trees or money is the root of all evil. These are money mindsets. These are strongly held beliefs about money that are true for some people, right? You got your particular, I call this your money operating system, like the operating system of a computer. I trademarked that term, but it describes the core. And frankly, it's a childish belief. Like it's a superstition that you got when you were a kid. And because unfortunately your parents were messed up about money too, because their parents were messed up about money. Like human beings are basically crazy about money. <laughs> um, in and so mine, mine was, there's never enough money. And I got it because my mother, uh, was a average earner and a great saver. So we were always on a pretty tight budget and I wanted brand name stuff. And I wanted to give my friends generous gifts at their birthday parties. And she wouldn't like, that was not her priority. Right. And so mm -hmm. for me, it, the world seemed like there's never enough money. Like there's just never enough money. And then I perpetuated that in my life again and again and again. Again, by racking up credit card debt, by having a belief. I actually thought, and I, this was true for me when I graduated from college with a degree in economics, that I would never make good money because my degree was a bachelor of arts and not a bachelor of science. Like I made that up and then I lived like it was true. And it informed where I interviewed, how and whether I negotiated for a higher wage, what I did with that money, like the fact that I didn't save anything in my 20s. So I was just perpetuating this environment where there was never enough money. Right. Mm -hmm. And so so just to return to the, the claim I made at the beginning of that whole dialogue is you think money is that way. But in fact, you're actually creating it that way. And the good news. So the bad news is you're doing it to yourself. The good news is you can change it. Right. As, so, as long as you figure out that you're doing that. So what yeah. about um, with that concept of there's never enough money? So how do I want to ask this? So there's how does the hedonic treadmill kind of come in there? So like if I am upper class and I am aggressively saving and pay, like have paid off this and this and that, but like, I want more money. I, I live in a nice house and I can pay it great, but I want a bigger house. And so I need more money for that. And I go on trips, but I want more money to go on more trips. Like, does that kind of, how does that mindset fit into the destructiveness relationship with money as well? Or is that good? Is that like, I don't, is there a certain point where that's, well, also wanting and not having is a, is an uncomfortable place for human beings to be. Uh, I mean, there's a scientific way to sort of break that down. You can measure your needs and then sort of give more space to your wants. But uh, I would describe that relationship. If you, if you, if you're experiencing that, I would say your money operating system is probably something close to money gives me power or money gives me value. 
oh shit well now who's who knows who better like okay i'm not just an example i was asking for a friend by the way it wasn't me at all hashtag asking for a friend Okay. Cool. I think it just got seen. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So like yeah. understanding the root of like what you think that money is going to give you. Yeah. I remember. Uh, and so I get a lot of those folks in my coaching program. I mean, that's a fairly common money operating system. It's less common than there's never enough money, but it's definitely out there. It's ubiquitous. Um, and so I laugh because I remember in my college uh, chemistry class, but the, the professor said something like, if you were to basically break down your body into the chemical elements, you're worth about $7 in a chemistry store. <laughs> and that was like 20 years ago. So it's probably 14 now, right? Yeah. Because of inflation. So I tell people money, money is not the measure of your value. You're worth about 14 bucks. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I like it's that. Just, it's just funny. It's just funny. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so what are some obvious signs when you're working with someone that they may have a destructive relationship with money? And before you answer yeah. that, you kind of keep referencing the money operating systems. Are there like different types of money operating systems? Like, do we need to talk about we that? We can talk first? about that really quick. Okay. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll give you examples of some of the most common ones I see. Okay. So, uh, there is this, uh, so again, there's never enough money. And then there's also people for whom there's always enough money. Now, interestingly, these people can often get sublime about their financial situation without that being justified by the numbers. So for example, I one time had a woman call me. She said, oh, I'm, I just retired. I'm 65. I'm so happy. I have no debt. I have $50,000 saved. Right. Yeah. Right. So this is an example of the money operating system. There's always enough like, money. It's just so going to be fine. Yeah. It's, it's like fine. <laughs> so, uh, there's also, um, by the way, has people are usually Enneagram sevens, just going to say it. <laughs> Enneagram sevens are like almost naively optimistic about life. They're just like, it's going to be great. Like, <laughs> I'm not an optimist actually. No, I don't. <laughs> Um, okay. So there's, um, there's that whole family of money is the root of all evil or like people who say rich people are bad or mm -hmm. rich people are greedy. And then those people are super conflicted because in order to have financial health, you like have to have some money, but they think having money or even wanting money makes them evil, like bad. And so that's a deep psychological one. That one, um, uh, I think has roots in, in religion. Uh, it, although not everyone who's religious thinks that. Right. Um, so that's one, um, there are practical money operating systems. So I've met people who have, uh, you know, money is just a tool. Money's a resource. Um, my husband had, uh, money, money is no problem. And, you know, money being no problem is like, it sounds cool, and I could never get him to talk to me about our money because he was always like, why? We don't need to talk about it. I've handled it. It's no problem. Right. And I'm like, I am a financial advisor. You will talk to me. <laughs> it was like wrestling the bull to the ground. Yeah. Right. Um, so each of these money operating systems or money scripts has its limitations left unexamined. But the good news is when you examine it, you know, you can you can sort of locate the weaknesses that it makes likely and really work on them. It's like any skill set. You can practice it and, and expand what's possible. Question. Is it is it one of those things where it's really hard to determine what your underlying um, operating system is unless you're making a, a certain threshold? Like if you are making $35,000 a year on a single income and you, or like, you know, like, is there kind of like, you don't really see the true operating system until the person feels like they're not going to be evicted and go hungry. Like, uh, I think that's an insightful question. I would say if you are making $35,000 a year and you're not like a teenager, that your money operating system is probably there's never enough money. <laughs> I mean, that 
you have to like work to only make 35, right? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's what I was wondering. I'm just like, so, you know, a lot of this is at a maturity level with your financial situation where it's like, okay, you're not, you're You're right. Some of your basic needs first to kind of get out of that survival mode. Cause if you're just functioning from a survival mode with finances, like li- literally, you yeah. know, housing food, then it's like, Oh yeah. But yeah. Once you kind of get out of that in, okay. Sorry. That was just a random, random question. Yeah, um, it, so I, 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 the reason I say that's insightful is because especially, you know, the folks listening to your show, they're, they're mostly business owners. They're, they're entrepreneurs. So I say to small business owners, your money mindset has been splatted on the wall. Like you took your money operating system and made a business with it. So all we have to do to understand your money operating system is to look at your numbers. It's, it's obvious to me. Right. Uh, so I think, and I think that's what you were getting at is like, yeah. it was like, you, ha- it's like, I don't know what I was going to paint until I painted it, but now it's on the canvas. So that, yeah, that's your money. <laughs> Um, that's in, that's really interesting. So what kind of numbers are you, when you're looking with a small business and you say like, this is easy, you've, you've made a business based on your money mindset. What kind of things are you looking at to measure, determine where they're at? Uh, I one time worked with a real estate agent who was on track to make, she was making about $400,000 a year and she was spending four fifty. And she had $100,000 in IRS debt. She had $70,000 in credit card debt, right? So you would think you're earning $400,000 a year, like you're set. But she was on this, I mean, she, she was headed for financial disaster, interestingly, right? So it's pretty clear that that's some version of, I don't deserve the money or there's never enough money. Like it's coming in, but it's all going back out. And the thing with her was she had survived this very expensive divorce. She was in one of those relationships where when the financial crisis happened in 2008, there was that, uh, Warren Buffett said, when the tide comes out, you see who's swimming with no shorts. (laughs) 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 So it turned out, you know, they were making a lot of money, but he was doing the debting and he was spending down, breaking into the retirement accounts and all that. So they, she left the divorce with $200,000 of credit card debt, but she didn't have enough money to pay for a place to live. So she and her kids lived in friends' houses. And this is while they were in junior high and high school. So she felt so guilty about raising her kids that way that she was paying for her kids, three children to go to UCLA out of cash flow. Right. So she's coming up with like $180,000 in tuition a year. Right. And she, and she, so she's, she's spending money she doesn't have, but it's all to assuage this guilt. So the thing was, we had to deal with the guilt and the the divorce in order to fix her money. Now, now she makes $900,000 a year and she just bought a house in Silicon Valley. Right. So, so it's like, that's, that's an example of what I see in businesses. I'll give you one other sort of different example. Um, uh, I've got a gal who runs a million dollar coaching business and she is spending everything she makes. And she can't, she said, I can't stop bragging about my money. She said, I feel like a dude. I feel like a man. Right. And she, she's like, She's like, I'm proud. But when I tell people I had a $60,000 month, she said, I I expect it to be fulfilling for me. It's like, I want, I feel like it's this badge of honor. She said, but it's never enough. She's like, I can't stop saying it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So this is partly, so she has no savings, but a seven figure business. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and there's this braggadocious sort of thing. And so that money operating system is money gives me value. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she had to untether her self-worth from her income. But interestingly, she had to give herself that self-worth in order to start saving it. So she had to stop trying to get it from money, give it to herself. So then she could reflect that self-value with savings. Yeah. It's start um, to see it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You really can. And not to blame, 
you know, the old white men, um, but, you know, but like <laughs> chiropractic isn't different than financial advising in the fact that like women are, you know, women are now like closer to 50% of this career, which is awesome, but we're holding on to a lot of what people, uh, which happened to be just the reality is it was a majority of men back then, um, that they what they set as a successful practice and there was a lot of like number sharing and so I I have chiropractors reach out I just had one yesterday reach out and be like how do I not see my value in what my numbers are because chiropractors all like oh like we get together at conventions and we're like oh oh are you high volume how many people do you see a week oh yeah like oh are you seven figure six figure like oh is your like it's just all of that stuff, but it makes you feel like you have to prove your worth through that. It's the same way in my industry. Um, we make money based on the money that we manage for other people. And so uh, I, I get asked what size is your practice all the time? Yep. That's a common and question. My, my retort is I'm not exactly sure what size is your profit. <laughs> I don't measure, I don't measure the size of my practice. I measure the size of my profit. And, you know, I don't mean to be antagonistic or I'm trying, not trying to be combative with people, but it's a, can I swear on your show? You are very welcome to swear. Yeah. You've heard, you've heard the term big swinging dick contest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. I don't play that. <laughs> right. Yep. And sometimes, and it's hard because like, again, not to like beat on, we do have some men who listen, we're not beating on you. Um, because I don't think they want to be in that pissing match anymore either. Like, I think that, but it, it does kind of take a little bit of like a, Hey, that's not a really great question. Stop asking people. It it, it yeah. seems almost confrontational, but it's like, no, you came in asking me about my stuff. Like, I don't know. I like that because yeah, um, I, there are definitely practices that you, like, I start to like run their numbers in my head, which you should never like be counting somebody's money or anything like, you know, I'm not, trying, but just being like, wait, how do they have how do they have five doctors? What are their doctors doing? Adjusting 12 people a week? Like, you know, it just like, how much are they paying? Are they making any money? So, so yeah, it is just profit. Profit is important. Um, okay. Yeah. So one of the hardest hurdles beyond awareness um, to getting a good relationship with money, identifying your money operating system and where it came from is it always does it always come from the parents almost always almost always because they impacted you the most i mean obviously there's people who didn't have traditional upbringings but you got it from the world around you i mean uh money is conceptual money doesn't have a tangible nature right like a dollar bill isn't actually money it just represents money money is just a conversation and so so things that are conceptual are really hard for kids to understand. I mean, time is also conceptual, right? So if you think about it, your experience of time really is a function of language. And so, so is your relationship with money. I think I'm getting a little bit philosophical based on the question that you asked, but I love uh, it. So I'm just going like, yeah, gosh, I'm going to need more <laughs> explanation. Yep. The, the key The key to getting a good relationship with money is first coming into the awareness that the current relationship you have, you just inherited that. It's not your fault and more is possible, right? That it's not anything about you. It's not anything about money. It's simply the conversation that you inherited about money. You know, if your parents were punitive about money and, you know, you had scarcity in your, in your growing up household, you're going to take that into your adult life. You're either going to carry forward scarcity, or you're going to be defiant about not having scarcity, right? Like you have no freedom. There's no spectrum there. There's no nuance. Um, that's how human beings get developed. Um, and so, so recognizing that it's like, oh, I listened to slay the day in this woman, Hillary said, my relationship with money is not my fault. So that means I can work on it and improve it. And you can. So it's like having that awareness, making that decision, and then really grappling with the actual money behaviors that give you what you want, 
right? So I would say, let's just give an example in your, in the, amongst your listeners, you have to be someone who sells. You mm -hmm. have to be someone who brings patients into your practice. You have to have an inviting conversation and energy and way of being, right? Your money mindset is impacting your sales ability, right? Your ability and willingness to be persuasive with people. Practically speaking, a doctor who is like a magnet for people, is entertaining, is fun, is a great doctor, is naturally going to get referrals and more patients into their business, right? Yep. So, so, and, and like, maybe you think that your ability is static, but it's not, I, I didn't start out loquacious like this, right? I worked on it, <laughs> right? So you, it's a skill, like anything that you can build, but you, but if you act like it's static and like, like you're stuck with the way that you are, then your money is going to stay the way that it is. That some of, yeah. So where I've seen um, kind of in direct translation. So this is my 11th year in practice. And so conversion rate of like selling the care plan is a thing that's discussed. And um, and I in the last two or three years, I run like a 99 percent conversion rate. And we don't deal with insurance. So this is in a area where the median income is 44,000 for a household. Like, really? yeah, a lot of people have their insurance covered through the, or their chiropractic covered through the state. We don't take that insurance, but I'm still running this. And I think I've reflected on before of like, what's, what changed? And it's a lot of, I got to the place of comfort where like, my happiness in my clinic was really important. And I didn't just need anybody's 40 bucks for an adjustment. When yep. I kind of got like to the point, you know, out of that survival mode, like I was talking about of like, I just need anybody's money. Um, yep. And so who knows what kind of like desperate operating system was coming across that way. But when I kind of transitioned into the salesman, that's like, this is the truth. I don't know if you love it or not, but this is what it is. And kind of exuded this detachment, like truly caring about the patient, but detaching from whether if you can't afford this right now, I understand. And like there was this lack of of desperation to like, please sign up. I really need you to sign up, you know, type of thing. And I think that's when things really shifted and I became an even more effective salesman. Does that make sense? I think you just, I hope you're doing episodes of your podcast on just that, because that this is so, that is so, I mean, it's the difference between being attached to something and being committed to something. It's massively different. Mm -hmm. Nobody loves to be around someone who's attached to, to them spending their money. And I, that's beautiful. I, I would be your patient if I lived closer, but oh, I'm, awesome. here on this, I'm on this <laughs> island. <laughs> okay. So how does somebody actually start to, okay. So they've identified, I have an issue. It's not my fault. It's my parents' fault. Oh, before we go on the next, my next question is going to be, what are the steps to start establishing a better one? But before we get there, um, is there an issue that you see with the clients you're working with where they really realize that their identity is around the amount of money they make and the friendships they have? And if they start like, and a lot of us, our parents are still alive. So the same people who perpetuated that, um, I still remember my mom is going to listen and be horrified that I'm trying, but like, I remember um, about five years into practice, I got my doctor car. It was the car that I was like, every time I saw it, I was like, what is that? It looks like the Batmobile. It's a really amazing car. I loved it. And we got it. And like within a couple of weeks, I was with my stepdad. And we were driving, not in my car. And he said something, he said something about like, you know, some asshole who had like those real thin rims. And I was like, what? Oh, pretty sure my new vehicle has thin rims thin or thin rims. tires. Yeah. Or like wheel, like, you know, like, oh, and, he, and I was just like, oh no, my stepdad thinks I'm a rich asshole. Shoot. 
that sucks. And so, and like, and had to grapple with like, oh, you know, um, so you're being surrounded by your parents as you're making more money and starting to be like, I am doing healthy things, but like your parents are going to be there to be like, oh, you're going on another trip or like, oh, you know, like just like kind of throwing their own, their yep. own baggage at you. Yep. And yep. Um, yep. <laughs> Like, and your friends, like when you start doing things that your friend group, you know, like are people scared that they're going to, their identity is going to change and they're going to lose like friends over this? You will lose friends. Huh? I don't know. Sorry. How, how do you well, know you'll also make like, new, better ones. Look, <laughs> not better. You can make more money. Yes. No. Uh, look, no, that's not what I meant at all. First of all, you you are definitely money makes me powerful or money gives me value. The whole, I often say, (laughs) these are the people driving the flashy cars. (laughs) Uh, That's perfect. What kind of car was it, by the way? It's a BMW X6. It's beautiful. I love the BMW 4 series. Yeah. Love it. Um, okay. So yes, there are people who have Everybody around you has a money operating system. Most of them have a broken money operating system. I would say my anecdotal experience, 70% of the population, right? So if you start making more money and having a healthy relationship with money, some of them are not going to like that. Right. I have had, I have had people say to me, yeah, I've had people say to me, oh, Hillary, don't, don't forget about the little people. What, what does that mean? Why would you say that to me? I, that's not manifested in my behavior at all. I, that didn't come from me. So it came from you, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, you will, there, there will be people you will have to defend yourself to, or who will roll their eyes at you and say, Oh, high and mighty, whatever. That's their issues. Right. Um, I, I mean, I have grappled with that in my own family and friends group. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to happen. I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but that's the nature of humanity, right? So in some areas realizing like, instead, if you don't have awareness around it, then it's kind of like you start to get a little high and they pull you back down. It's like the crabs that don't let the other crabs out of the bucket. (laughs) Um, But if you realize like, whoa, is it the crabs that do that? (laughs) I don't know. I definitely got a visual though. Yes. Um, but if you go, you can in that moment have enough awareness around like, oh, that is their thing, not mine. Like, hopefully you can kind of keep in your, in your journey. Yeah. I mean, I just try to be as vulnerable and as straight as I can. It's like, Hey, you know, I heard you that underhanded comment. I heard you. And, um, I am going to be totally honest. I want your love and approval and I'm not going to stop being successful so that I can have it. Like if, if we're going to have an, a good authentic relationship, like you're going to have to get over that. Cause this is me now, <laughs> you know, like Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I I, this is, this isn't a podcast about interpersonal communication, but <laughs> no, but I, I'm actually really glad that you literally gave that because it's like, oh, wow. That is how you respond to that in a loving, authentic way. Um, this is like also a therapy yeah. <laughs> conversation. You know, where it's like, like I'm on a couch yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where it's like, oh yeah. Yep. That's, that's a great response. I'm glad that you shared that. Okay. It's tough. I I one time had someone in my, in my coaching program who, um, had been working. She's a therapist providing services on a sliding scale. And her mom who had never been the wage earner in the household was very verbally advocate advocating that she continue to provide her services to people who couldn't afford them. She's like, kind of like you're doing God's work kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And, but she couldn't pay her bills. Right. So I literally coached her on the conversation conversation, you know, she had with her mom, she went to her mom. She's like, look, mom, I, I love you. Thank you for being my mother. And I'm going to go provide, like, I'm going to go reach financial independence. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to raise my prices and I hope you still love me. (laughs) (laughs) So do you see more issues with business owners who have a, um, a non tangible 
item that they're selling, like a, chiro a chiropractic adjustment, you know, like it's this thing that is only quote unquote time and could be given for free, like therapy or advice, like any kind of consulting work as well. Like, do you see? Yeah. I, well, I work almost exclusively with service-based business owners. So it's the majority of who I see. I and mean, that's what I do. So it's what I know. Product mm -hmm. businesses are very, frankly, product specific. You know, product business is all about distribution. So it's like, it's just a different business. I, I've definitely worked with product business owners, but, um, you know, and just like you, I mean, my evolution from w being willing, like desperately wanting to work with anyone who could fog a mirror to, and I, I literally give people in my program scripts, but like, I'm super comfortable now saying, and this would be not in my coaching business, but on, in the wealth management side of my business is like, I don't actually go to work for less than $10,000 a year. Like if you're going to be my client, you'll pay me $10,000 a year or more or I, I would rather have the white space on my calendar. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's some version of that for you, my adjustment costs this, or I'm not actually interested in doing two adjustments. I'm interested in having you as a patient until this problem is fixed. And this is what it's going to cost. And you can walk out the door, but I'm telling you, I can fix it for that price. Right. Or like whatever that is for you. Yeah. 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 So how do you coach, how do you coach people into like getting to that point? of like realizing. So we reverse engineer it. Okay. So we measure the cost of your life. We measure how much you need. How do you figure out the cost of my life? Oh, like what you want to like, what retirements look like? Not like your life and death, like what you're spending to live a life. Yeah, I figured that. I assumed that's what you meant, but I was like, well, how do you do that? <laughs> are you, are I, you I, putting my like boob surgery in there too? Like. <laughs> I know how much your life costs because I can see how much you spend. We get access to our clients' bank accounts. Oh, okay. That, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Thought it involved like a crystal ball. I don't know. Some tarot card. No, it's very scientific. Mm -hmm. makes, so makes a good answer. There's, there's two chunks. There's how much you spend to live a life that you enjoy. And then there's how much you need to save to achieve financial independence. And I can calculate those numbers for you. Those are calculable, right? So we take, we look at how much you're making now and we look at how much you need to make in order to accomplish those two things. And I can tell you based on how many hours a week you're working, what your prices need to be. I mean, so I I set a, 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 a bottom. I say, you need to charge at least this much. You can charge anything above that, <laughs> but you're not going to get to this outcome we call financial health until your price is at least this dollar amount. Okay. So that, that's a good boundary, I think. And that probably like really helps people when it's not the um, philosophical answer of like your time is worth money. Although I do want to get back into that time yeah. money philosophy conversation that you were going down um, of just like, here, this is what it is. Do you want to live a less financially abundant life? Most people are gonna be like, no, thank you. I'm gonna be like, okay, well then if this is what you want, then this is what it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is to build a muscle around your speaking leads directly to money. So as soon as you internalize that conversation, like for me, I don't go to work for less than $10,000 a year. You know, my business has doubled since I started saying that. Right. And so I have the very ex like, like lived experience that my speaking creates money. Like it's in my bank account. I can see the numbers. Right. And then you go, wow. So you mean if I said I don't go to work for less than $20,000 a year, like I could actually say that, right? Like you get that you can speak words and money shows up. You might have to speak the words a hundred times. Like, I'm not saying it works every time people definitely say no to me, <laughs> Yeah, I, but the thing is I'm always confused when they do. I'm like, well, that's your folly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't like stick to you. No, no. Yeah. Um, so did that answer your question? 
I think so. <laughs> Did I ask? I don't even remember if I asked a question. Most of the time I was just thinking like, as you were talking, I'm like, this is a great conversation. Damn, she, I'm a bad host. I think hosts are only supposed to answer, ask questions, not just make statements at their guests, but you're doing a great job. <laughs> um, okay. So we're talking around like, how does someone then start to get a good relationship with money? You know, how do they, so you, you calculate for them, their time, what other kind of things do you do to help someone along that journey of getting a better relationship? Um, well, uh, this is getting a little bit in the weeds, but it's really important to invest your money. Well, so many of my clients make more in their investment accounts than they do at their jobs in a given year. No, it takes a couple of years to get there, right? Like your wealth has to compound a little bit. So you want to have some good science-based, like there's evidence-based ways to invest. Let's just put it that way. Um, we make sure that they're doing the right things as a business owner should for their taxes and their insurance and stuff like that. Um, so, so, so creating the cognitive dissonance, uh, you, if you think you have a bad relationship with money now, or you don't like the way money goes for you, and then you be someone in the world who does all the right things with money, I say you will find that your mindset catches up, right? Mm -hmm. You make a commitment to being fiscally conservative and being financially empowered and you do the things day after day after day. It's like, uh, you know, if you go to the gym every day for a year, you're going to alter your self-perception. You're now a fit person who works out a lot. Like you're a leader in the gym, right? Maybe last year you weren't, but now you are. Um, so I, does that answer your question? Yeah. 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 It, it definitely does. Um, okay. So if someone wanted to work with you, how would they, what would that start to look like? How do they reach out to you? What kind of, you know, evaluation process do you go through to determine if they're a good client and yeah. So, uh, I run basically two businesses. There's the wealth management business, and then there's the coaching business. And you can find out about both those offers at hillaryhendershot.com. My first name has one L and Hendershot has two T's. Uh, we work with people we like. <laughs> we work with people we like. I, I guess that's an Enneagram 7 thing. I yep. don't know. <laughs> I think that's just like a really bullshit thing. My, my, my client says, I've decided not to do business with assholes, so I have to charge my friends. <laughs> That, by the way, that's a great thing to say when your friends and family ask you for, for discounts. Um, Wait, to call them assholes? No, what's, what do you really actually do when you... <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't work with my enemies, so I have to charge my friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought, no, don't call was like, Wait, no, 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 hold on. You've given really good advice on how to handle conversations and that one I disagree. Yes. Okay. So... <laughs> I'm like, no, no, definitely don't call the people uh, that you love. I don't work with people I don't like. So therefore everyone I like, I have to charge is basically what that is. Uh -huh. Yeah. 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 yeah that uh, is a problem for students too. Like new grads is we'll get back to your coaching stuff. It's like, um, yeah, yeah. is like they've practiced on all of these people for free during school. And then they're like, and now I'm setting up shop in my hometown. And everyone's like, well, I'm your aunt. And I'm your cousin and this and that. And it's like, you just got to kind of, uh, my, my experience is the sooner you draw the line in the sand, if you don't let them in at all, like, cause I have people who I started out giving free chiropractic care and there's no way, no way I can change now. Unless you have a life. No, I, um, I was working. I really, I, I hope my mother doesn't listen to this interview. I was working for my mother for free and I started offering profits coaching. And I realized that that was out of integrity, frankly, because I was saying you have to charge everyone. Right. So I started charging my mom. You started. Wow. You're and bad. I did. I, <laughs> I did. I, mom, I know uh, my mom's listening. So, uh, <laughs> Better bring your 40 bucks next time. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is because my sister works for me. So I pay my sister real money. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm paying her to work on our mom's account and I wasn't getting paid to do that. So it was literally costing me time and money. And I said, this just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's the truth. It's when you lay things out that way, you're like, Oh shoot. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, back to, you've got the two Hillary Hendershot. Okay. Right. Right. So if you're looking for a comprehensive, I do what's called fee only fiduciary, uh, comprehensive financial advice. Uh, All that means is that my clients don't pay commissions. So we don't sell financial products. Nothing that I put my clients money in has startup costs or termination costs. You know, none of that funny business that everybody Mm -hmm. hates. It's very clean, very transparent. So uh, if you're looking for a comprehensive financial advisor, uh, a quick way to describe the relationship is you're the chief executive officer of your financial freedom corporation. And I am the chief financial officer if you hire me. So you set the strategy and we tell you how to get there. Uh, and then, uh, the profits coaching is called the money blueprint program. And, um, and that is a 12 month course. You can start anytime. And it's for you. If your business makes between 50,000 and $2 million a year, and you would like to uplevel your relationship with money. Awesome. Awesome. This has been a delight. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> I think it's like episode 120. And I'm like, just sitting here going like, I really got to get more professional as a host. People are going to stop liking me. So, But this has been fun. Most of the time I go into these conversations, just like it ends up being therapy for me and like what I need. And then I'm like, oh, people are listening. Okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks. I love that. I'm a podcast host myself. And I'm like super, I'm like, okay, this is going to be free coaching for me. So I'm just going to ask you all the questions I want to know the answers to. So I get it. Well, um, send people to your podcast too. So if they want uh, profit boss radio, if you have room in your podcast lineup, check me out profit boss radio. I'll show you how to be a profit boss. I love it. Thank you so, so much for your time, Hillary. Thank you. All right, She Slayers, go um, binge her podcast, go check out her course, um, do the things. And until next week, She Slayers, bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast, and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait.